0: the some price for wednesday january 17th 2024 coming to you from the gogo Go sports studio built by rubber league here at the iconic wall center downtown vancouver and if you're going to a game this week you may want to make some travel plans or better yet just make it a staycation call the wall do you remember some of those journeys home from Rogers Arena in the snow last year Blake people telling us they got home at 2 3 in the morning spent 5 6 hours in the car No
1: I heard I heard 10 11 hours oh in the car Oh my god
0: yes yeah It was like a Lord of the Rings trilogy to get home Make it a staycation call the wall 604 331 1000 massacre alongside Blake Price Grace Ass hitting switches conducting things alongside intern Lachlan irvin this is a
1: big show and it's all brought to you by Applewood Auto Group. And maybe if you do venture out, it should be in a car from Applewood Nissan in Langley. They want to make sure that you're ready for this. So go get a 23 Rogue, a 24 Leaf, join the electric revolution. And on both cases, for the Rogue and the Leafs right now, winter tire offers, just quinky dink. Buy a set of partner brand winter tires, get up to $170 off right now at Applewood Nissan in Langley. It's all good at Applewood. I'm just, you're on
0: warning for today. I am. I'm going to be particularly smug with regards (laughs) to winter tires. (laughs) Why is that? Well, I did okay this morning. You know, you just leave yourself some extra time. Mm -hmm. You make sure you get the car cleaned off. Mm -hmm. If you don't have the luxury of indoor parking, which I do not have at my apartment, you know, you take it easy. You leave yourself extra room. You're in proper equipment, right? It's more a mindset. It's more an attitude. It's more a, I will not be defeated by mother nature. Not today. So I made it on in. Good for you. And so did Grady. How did the (laughs) trains work this morning, Grady? Always an issue in Vancouver when the weather turns sour. Fine. Yeah. Good on SkyTrain for once. Well done. Got the people where they needed to go. Mobility in the winter. Something we should strive for. Okay. Full question. Are you today. done? Are you done Sermon now? Sermon over. Sermon yeah. over. For those of you who are newer listeners, Blake and I have had many, many a debate, even sometimes contentious debates on the program. But there have been but two or three occasions where we actually got personally angry with each other on the air. <laughs> And one of them was in the midst of a snowstorm how many years ago, like six, seven, maybe probably. More. Yeah. And uh well, winter tires became a theme. Became a thing on this show. By the way, both of us
1: agree that you should have winter oh, tires. Oh, you still want to litigate it. Listen to this, Grady. He still wants to litigate. It. Well, that, that was the case. You were you were Projecting something onto me that was not the case. So. Oh, okay. That's why you got so angry. By, no by, the, way, by the way, while we're talking about arguments, I, this just <laughs> went viral again yesterday. Did you happen to see it go viral yesterday? The uh, 10-year-old on air, I say argument, lowercase argument, because apparently it was a shtick between Mike Fratello and Ian Eagle on an NBA broadcast. Ian Eagle? No. I, no. Yeah. Oh, no. so good. It's a blowout loss for the Nets. They're they're on the Nets broadcast crew, yeah. And it sounds like Eagle is picking a fight with Fratello, mm-hmm. and the Czar like of the telestrator It's super known. awkward. It's mm-hmm. super awkward, and they go they throw it a commercial, and it becomes this whole story. Anyway, folks, look it up. Just Google or you know, Twitter search Eagle and Fratello. And you'll be treated to a really interesting piece of uh, a broadcasting. Well, the funniest part, and particularly when you've got the relationship that
0: Blake and I have forged. And those two did too. Those two. Oh yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Is you have a fight like that on air. And the first thing that comes back is the immediate response from the audience. Some of whom are rooting you on and decamping. Right. Yes. Yes. Some of whom want no part of this. Like, how dare you, my two guys are are you? You need to get right. And then you get home and the text messages start coming in from like friends, being like, You know, are you like gonna be all right? Like that sounded pretty
1: serious today. Yeah and usually and more than one you know, mm. since usually there's also something else going on like we also are allowed to have bad days in our personal lives that right. somehow sometimes leak on the air, air as well so the,
0: the great poker is a sport fight with Donnie and Dave
1: yes that was not about
0: poker being a sport i assure you <laughs> that was a build up a critical mass of little issues between the two of them over a long period of time yeah. and poker as a sport was the vessel by which they chose <laughs> to go at each other, and frankly, it's a pretty good coping mechanism. Yeah, you're better right. fight yeah. about something silly and ridiculous like that because at the end of it, you can laugh and you've gotten some things off your chest.
1: Our better halves are probably better off that we have a we have a, a you know a venting oh. here than at home. Honestly, why can't this work at home? <laughs> why can't you just pick up this template and bring it home? Yeah, yeah. There you go. Okay. I'm on with the show. This on with the show. This is it.
0: Uh, do we introduce the poll question? I don't even think I've no. introduced the poll question. No. <laughs> when will you be concerned about Elias Patterson's contract right now at the trade deadline? And that's March 8th, everybody at the draft. And that's in late June this year, but that's really a de facto deadline for the Vancouver Canucks in terms of when they need to know from Elias Patterson, if he wants to resign, if he's willing to resign long term, or you can vote not concerned at all. You can do so at the Price on Twitter and YouTube. And look, a couple of things here uh, for everybody screaming he's an RFA. There's still another year of club control. Yes, that is technically true. And we'll ask Frank Saravelli uh, about this later in the program. But the Vancouver Canucks are probably not going to extend him a qualifying offer, have him sign it, go to arbitration, and deal with this contract that way. They don't want him going into the final year before unrestricted free agency. Because at that point, number one, the asset loses trade value, you lose all leverage. And that's just not wise management based on the NHL CBA and cap system. Can you do it? Yep. You can do it, but you're playing with all sorts of fire there. The potential of losing a player for nothing, the potential for getting nickel and dime return on a franchise centerman. The second thing it, as we've talked about all week, it would be great if a gave not only the fans, but connects management, some sort of signal that he is willing to be here long-term and minus that we're left to wonder what could possibly be the problem here, because it seems damn good this year. Like we're always, we're all worried at the beginning of the season, but like, oh, if this season goes south too, will Elias want to be here, or will he take control of his own career and ask for a trade and get himself out? That hasn't been the case. It's been all sunshine and rainbows for the Vancouver Canucks this year. Every corner, like literally every corner, yes. it's been like such- everything every- has gone right. To quote Rutherford, and yet still. And I'm starting to perceive that some in Canuck Nation amongst the fan base are hurt by that. And you wonder if Canuck Sports Entertainment, from the owner to the management group, are hurt by
1: that as well. Well, honestly, I'm going to lower the bar a little bit lower than where you even had it. Like, just say that you're negotiating. <laughs> like, I think that would go... I don't think I don't think you have to say, I plan on being here long-term. You know? Like, if they just said, we're working on it. Like, if, yeah. if, if Pedersen said, hey... I don't know when it's going to get done, but we're working on it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that would be enough. Like those, whatever that was, eight words, you know, like it, 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 he doesn't even have to sound optimistic. He doesn't have to sound sunshine and roses. No. I think if they just knew that they're speaking about it, I think mm-hmm. that would be enough. Even I think the fact that there, there seems to be this Heisman move happening here from, from a uh, Peterson to, to the, uh, the Canucks. I think that is what has people sort of like, What's yeah. with the Heisman here? Why are you why are you stopping the phone calls?
0: And Patrick Calvin telling Ian McIntyre, admitting to Ian McIntyre that it is maybe a little bit, yeah, unusual mm-hmm. for an RFA to be holding on this late. And, and and it is unusual unless that RFA has no plans to resign, right? Who wants a change of scenery? So that's good honesty by Alvin. I do wonder how it's received. By Elias Pettersson, because as we know, he's been a sensitive guy in the past. And then McIntyre asks him, do you believe Petey wants to remain a Canuck? The answer, I do believe that he wants to be part of a good team. He wants to be part of a winning team. And I do know he has a good relationship with talk and he really appreciates the changes in the direction the team is going. That's a good answer, but it's not a yes. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and, and you know, the follow-up there is, okay, he appreciates the changes in the direction of the team is going, but is it too late? And just to recap this young man's career in Vancouver, he arrives here to a not very good team. In fact, he leads the team in scoring in his rookie year with 66 points. We were recalling that season under Travis Green, 35, 36, and 11, the 2018-2019 team. Antoine Roussel finished fifth on the team in scoring. And Alexander Edler finished fourth yeah. after Horvat and Besser. So it's not a very good team. The next year, it's a much better team. And they actually have a little bit of postseason success. They win a play-in round. Then they beat the defending Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues. They take Vegas to seven games and now you're thinking, okay, here we go. We're cooking with gas. We got a little momentum. And then oh, ownership wow. turns off the top taps and you get this mass exodus of players, good players. In fact, players, I imagine that Peterson had some degree of friendship or tie to Jacob Marks from Chris Danoff, powder to Foley, Troy Statcher. well, then Elias Pettersson doesn't get a long-term extension because the cap the Canucks have capped themselves out, and Jim Benning and that management group fumbles it. It lasts into training camp, and he emerges with a bridge deal as opposed to the long-term extension that everybody thought wise. Well, Meanwhile, why, Quinn Hughes got a long-term. Quinn Hughes got a long-term extension. Pettersson didn't. They couldn't afford to do both guys on a long-term extension.
1: But I wonder if we're getting a little bit of insight now as to another force at work in that in that interim deal because we have seen some superstars around the league want the bridge deal because they were setting up for the non-flat cap. And you you might be getting a peek here that the Pedersen camp was A-OK with the way things went the last time because they wanted to happen exactly what is happening. Well, in, and maybe in retrospect, Blake.
0: No, but I'm they might sure. have wanted it at the time. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, everybody else was asking for that. Okay, then going f- next up, they re-signed J.T. Miller long-term, a guy who both have admitted we're not the best of buddies. He watches a loyal captain get traded. He watches a head coach who, whatever you may think of his system or lack thereof, is a good man in Bruce B- Boudreaux be treated like shit. We know that Canucks sports entertainment is not exactly – been a happy cheery workplace like i'm still waiting for the first person to come along and tell me god i love working for francesco aquiline and michael doyle typically a lot of turnover in the staff there are oftentimes a lot of open positions at connect sports and entertainment they don't have a practice facility it's a fishbowl market where everything you do is magnified and analyzed so if the totality of everything that he's been through here in Vancouver, which we were talking a lot about at the beginning of the year has not been erased by a good first half of the season, then yeah, I can understand that to some degree. I can understand why in from Elias shoes, it's like, okay, this is a really good start, but let me see where this is going further. And as we've talked about all week, Blake, and I voted at the trade deadline on the poll question. i got to admit, I'm a little concerned now. At, at the draft, it's a five-alarm fire at that point if he's not re-signed. So I voted trade deadline, and the reason I did so is because somebody reminded me, David Pasternak, who, to be fair, was marching towards UFA, not RFA, but David Pasternak was in the final year of his deal last year. Same agents, Barry and Brisson. He signed one day before the trade deadline. The Boston Bruins got their business done with that player who was so important, immeasurably important to that franchise, much like Elias is here. And then were able to go out and do their business, uh, including uh, deadline additions. And of course, Boston was very active last year, Hampus, Lindholm, and, and others. So if he's not signed by the trade deadline March 8th this year, I would start to get quite concerned if I'm in Rutherford or Alvin's shoes.
1: See, I, I don't know that the trade deadline means anything to me in, these, in this thing. Like, if, if you're well, not... Well, as it, we've talked about, if you're
0: just taking on a rental, it doesn't mean the world. If you are looking at someone to bring in who has term or you're looking to resign, then knowing the PD number and being able to manage, knowing full well your number one centerman is going to be their number one forward um, is important.
1: But I think you have to be realistic if you're the Canucks. I think you're only going to be off by hundreds of thousands. Like, it's not, you're not going to be off by 2 million. Like, it, it, I don't think the, the question is, are, are we paying PD 12 or are we paying him 14 million? I don't think it's the case that, of that that's fair, Blake. But there's another complication,
0: and that is if you're bringing in a Lindholm or a Gensel or someone like that that you're hoping to resign, to resign them before Pedersen is a politically sensitive move. Like to bring in a new guy and immediately give him a contract extension. We saw this with St. Louis and Justin Falk. They thought they needed another defenseman after uh, their, cap, uh, their cup defense. They went out and got Justin Falk, a terrific player from Carolina. They gave him the deal, and they immediately off-put Alex Petrangelo and eventually lost Alex Petrangelo.
1: Role-play that for me. Why? Why is that the case? So you, you, you train I for think players you of a certain, them. I think players of a certain
0: stature, um, believe they should be the priority.
1: Well, you, you, I mean, you can't account for crazy, and I'm not calling Elias Pedersen crazy, but if he would act like that at that point, that would be crazy. Because what, what's the, what's the conversation? The Petter, the agent calls the Canucks after that happens. They re-sign Gensel for five years, and then Pedersen's agent calls them up and says, "What to them? Where's my money?" Well, the money's been there the whole time, sign the check, sign the contract, or you say to them, your money's here. We have your money. I, I, I guess I like, guess like, what they would say is, look what
0: we've done for the franchise and look what this new guy has done for the franchise. Vastly different.
1: Right. And so I'd say, Mr. Brisson, your money is here. Don't worry mm-hmm. about that contract. Your money's here. Like the answer is is just right now. Yeah, I, I, now and then your money is here. Don't worry about Jake
0: Gensel. We put this question to Frank Carrado later in the show. You will hear his two cents on that.
1: Um, my, I, so for me, anyway, what I was going to say is, with regards to the poll question, my true answer isn't expressly written in this in this poll question. I'll say at the draft is my vote, mm-hmm. but I think really my answer is a month after the season ends, whenever that is for the connects, whether it's a first round exit, a second round add 30 days, then I'm concerned.
0: Yeah. A couple of other things for Malvin to McIntyre. I want to get into on being aggressive for the deadline quote. I think I owe it to the players. We know that they're capable of playing at this high level. And if they continue to do that, it's on me to support them and give them opportunities to be successful. Good answer. Incomplete. Does he owe it to the fans? Um, they've been through a lot of shit. We had this conversation about the Blue Jays and the Mariners when they were in their big postseason droughts. If you remember, Blake and and one manager there, Alex Anthopoulos, said, "No, damn it, we owe this to the fans. It's been 20 plus years since they've seen October baseball. Let's go out." And they were super aggressive that one year. They got two Lewitsky and others. Soft capital. Seattle. Seattle slow played it a little more.
1: Soft cap world, you can you can say things like that, and you can do things like that. Hard cap world, I think you have to be more diligent. Mm-hmm. In a hard cap world, I think you owe it to your fans to be competitive. But they've done, they've gone to that point, mm-hmm. being being foolhardy. They don't own, they don't owe that, and they owe their fans more than one kick at the can. I think is what they owe their fans. So I think to do that and be yep. really bad next year and not have Weiland or Elekromaki or. You know all these other uh, ELC guys at their disposal. I, I think that's detrimental. So yeah, I think you know, I think you owe it to your fans to 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 have a, a not token, but something. But I think to go all in and trading Lecramacki at this point to to get a, a Lindholm, no, I don't think they owe the fans that.
0: Yep, and, and that's almost exactly what the Mariner said, right? Like, well, we want to be good over many years, and yeah, don't. I mean, they even went to the lengths that they didn't necessarily believe in the team uh, enough to be aggressive. Alvin to IMAC on Kuzmenko, quote, talk is a puzzle guy and we want to make sure the puzzle works. So we talk about different ideas and things and then we'll see where this, where things go. Uh, Are we getting to a point where they absolutely are going to have to move Kuzmenko just to better deploy the 5.5 million in cap ballers, bo-
1: that's possible, and, and they have to be okay with, with him scoring 28 goals next season for team B. I mean, I think, I
0: think they are, yeah, I, I and, think they and, already and, are there because I just don't see that happening in a talk world where he is that exacting and specific on what he needs from his wingers,
1: yeah. And, and also, you know what, like that's just going to happen, and they just do need the five million elsewhere, so you have to be okay with that trade. It, it, it still could that's still worth it probably because you're trying to keep everybody else in tow. Right. So I think you have to be okay with that and you might end up winning it outright if he scores 12 goals next season for team B. Um, but yeah, I think you are probably looking at that case where that becomes a, a, a more realistic scenario.
0: And it's funny. As you'll hear from Frank Saravelli later in the program, I saw Irfan Gaffar who's uh, been in with Jeff on rink here of late terrific addition there mm-hmm. have both said, look, they've, Offered him long and short term. They've said to betters, look, you tell us you want the short term, you want the long term.
1: You know,
0: the, the money, as you have talked about, is not too difficult to figure out. You know, you're going to give him a lot of money. And in fact, the moment that Willie Nylander signed at 11.5, I think he knew right there and then he's going to be north of that. He's a better player. He's a centerman. No, he isn't marching towards unrestricted free agency. But again, do the Canucks have the stomach to go into the final year of Elias Pettersson before unrestricted free agency? Some teams do. Boston did with Pasternak. Toronto did with Nylander. What we do know is if that is the case, and he goes into the last year of unrestricted free agency, and he's having the sort of year that he's having this year or that Willie Nylander is having this year,
1: the price tag just goes up. But here's the thing, too. Like, it's a hell of a statement from the Pedersen camp. He become the first Swede with back-to-back 100 point seasons in NHL history. Believe it or not, um, for them to say, "No, we need X," still, like, we need yeah. we need more time. Like, well, Pedersen's no, camp shouldn't. Naslund
0: resigned late one year. Of course, the Twins went to unrestricted free agents or just bare, just before re signed after the uh, famous Gillis and Gilman uh, sojourn to Sweden to look them dead in the eye. So there have been other players, even prominent Vancouver Canucks players, Swedish, who have dragged it out or gotten to the 11th hour.
1: But, um, I'd no, have to go back and look common. at the I'd have to go back and look at the Naslan circumstances a little bit. For the Sedines, it was always a little bit more difficult because they come as a pair, so it's that much bigger of a cap hit, um, and a consideration. And you know, they had been around for a long time. There was an a, a bit of a of a speed wobble off the top and, and a maybe a want to, to look at the market a little bit. So I, I can sort of understand that one a little bit more. Like uh, to me, there's just no reason, um, for th- for the Pedersen camp to need another year here. There's there's no reason. There's no reason for it. Uh two
0: thousand and five. It was August, August third, where Naslin resigned a three year deal worth eighteen million dollars.
1: Arena hard cap era. Um, you know. right. There were
0: some different. Yeah, no yeah. question. Well, they had not yet entered the hard cap era. The hard cap era was coming and. Like best players made $6 million back then, 20 years ago, August 3rd, 2000. Oh, sorry. That we is entering. entering yeah. yeah. Yes. That is entering the high camper. Boy, for all those who talk about how hockey player salaries have not escalated like their brethren in other sports. 19 years ago, $6 million. Okay. A couple of things I want to get to here. Uh wow. E.P. Ringside and Jay Fresh did midseason awards. Tockett won the Adams by their vote. Hughes won the Norris. Demko was second in the Vesna to Hellebuck. Uh, Dom LeCision, the Athletic, did a piece looking at playoff teams at the midpoint. Each team had a, quote, fatal flaw. Vancouver's was the bottom six shooting percentage. Do you know their bottom six is shooting 12.3%? This year, Blake, and then Suter, Joshua, Lafferty, Hoaglander, all shooting plus plus twenty percent at even strength. Rick Dollywall reports the Canucks are no longer interested in moving Tyler Myers. I think we saw that coming, right?
1: Well, I, I said on social media the bigger news would be if he was still being traded. Like, well, that's it. 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 <laughs> they tried to trade him for a while, yeah. and then
0: things went well. He his play improved and. You know, we heard a lot of it back in the fall, like, oh, they'll move Myers by the deadline for a different type of defense. Then they brought in Zdorov. No. Now you can see why Rick Tockett and Adam Foot would say, why do we want to trade
1: this guy? He's a a right shot shot defenseman with size. Like, that's what we want in the playoffs. And he's probably aging out. Uh, He's aging out of the contract for sure. So, like, it's all going according to plan. He likes the area. If you can get him back next year or two and a half or three, then you're still loving life. So, like, of course you wouldn't trade him at this point. No. So, not not real news to me. Well, just,
0: you know, everybody had this guy out of here at one point. Mm Mm-hmm. They They were were desperately trying to try to. I mean, I believe he waived his no trade clause to go to Ottawa, right? Like at one point, the Senators were trying to acquire him. I believe uh, that franchise was on his no trade list. And now there's the Vegas Golden Knights, Blake. Seven points back of the Canucks in the same number of games played and without Jack Eichel week
1: to week after successful lower body. Surgery, surprise surgery, is never a good thing.
0: Yeah, well, we saw. I meant to get to it yesterday. We saw that he was injured and being held out, but yeah, now surgery. Um,
1: is that that? Is the are the Canucks going to win the Pacific Division here? (laughs) I, I mean, I, I get. I've sort of had that sort of realization as well as a possibility. Uh, I think you have to worry about the Oilers just a little bit, just a little bit. It's not a high percentage, but. 13 points back, albeit with four games in
0: hand, Edmonton. They've 19, won 11 in a row, though. 19 like, and 3 in their last 22
1: games. Like, how just many other about hot
0: streaks do you have left, though? Like, how much further can you push this damn thing?
1: No, you're right, and, and that is the thing, is that they even even if they won all their games in hand, the Canucks would still be in front, and you're asking that team then to win the games in hand, to, to win 15 games in a row, really? To, to pull that close? Like, eventually you're going to have a stretch where you're playing 500 hockey. And you need the Vancouver Canucks to slow down and play even, you know, worse than that too. So I, it seems probably like they're in a, almost into that mathematical certainty now. But I think we need another month. I think I think at the trade deadline, I think it's going to become abundantly clear But, you know by by March eighth. My goodness, I think we're going to have a much clearer view as to whether or not the Canucks need to step off teams in the Pacific, or if they need to play 500 hockey to win the division, which is I think a possibility at this point.
0: On to football, where the BC Lions have gotten more off-season work done in advance of the February 13th CFL free agency. Keon Hatcher earlier in the week, now Alexander Hollins. A three-year deal for Hollins, who will be healthy and good to go at the start of this season. West Division All-Star, 78 catches, 1,173 yards, nine touchdowns. He led the Lions in that category, tied with Hatcher, the team lead in receptions and they also resigned punter and kickoff specialist uh, uh Flintoff a one year deal he was also eligible to be UFA so now unless i'm missing someone the lines are really down to four five key free agents Mechia Betts, of course and Ben Laddick the two starting canadians Ben from Vernon middle linebacker Bets has had some NFL workouts Javon Kotoy the fine big canadian slot back Josh Woods, who's also had some NFL looks, and, and defensive back Marcus Sales, so already you're looking at a BC Lions team that looks like it's going to come back relatively intact. Again, those starting Canadian positions very important, and I think you're really hoping you get two of the three back. And if it is Laddick that you lose, I think you want Woods back because he was so darn good last year uh, in in a reserve role when he had to step in and play for an injured Laddick or play for an injured. Bo Combo. So terrific work from Neil McAvoy and Rick Campbell and we'll see what else is in the offing here in the next three or so weeks prior to free agency. Down the I-5 John Schneider held a press conference yesterday and confirmed what Pete Carroll had hinted at that he now has the keys to the Seahawks kingdom. He also said a couple of really interesting things he said though. With regards to what the priority is in replacing Carol, it's clear, it's concise. We want to keep our positive culture, everything that's been created here. Bill Belichick is a lot of things, but presiding over a positive, upbeat culture is not necessarily it. The other thing that Schneier said with regards to um, the coaching staff, our setup earlier was the coaching staff did not fall under my umbrella. And now it will. It's not necessarily a Jody Allen decision or choosing this person or that person. It's just a contractual situation. It sounds to me like Schneider had it in his contract that if Carol leaves or gets fired, he inherits the Kings keys to the kingdom and is able to pick a coach what it sounds mm-hmm. like to me when he says it's not a Jody Allen thing. Oh, okay. Well, so Jody I, I, Allen didn't recently empower you to do all this. It sounds like your contract empowered you to move up the pecking order.
1: The other reading of that is this, though. Jody Allen does know football. I know football, so she's entrusting me to find the football guy.
0: Correct. The other reading is did Schneider push Pete out? He was asked later in the press conference, with regards to the discussions that happen over Carol's future and said, those are very confidential and very private. I would say that Pete knew how I felt about things and where we needed to improve. And Jody knew my opinion as well. Yeah. Did Jody pick John Schneider's vision Might have. ahead of Pete Carroll's? Although, You know, and and it would be hard to tell because Pete Carroll is so infinitely upbeat and Schneider said, he's still texting me all the time. What's up with this? What's up with that? Um, And he would be one of the few guys who I think would be magnanimous and gracious enough to publicly, even after if he may have been nudged out by someone, speak well of them. The other thing I wonder is at one point, you know, did Schneider see this coming and and was smart enough with his agent and with Pete Carroll to say, okay, well, Carol ever leaves, then, you know, I should get the big question, the big, you know, the big job here. And he does. And speaking of, they've added two more head coaching candidates that they'd like to interview. Of course, they're both involved still in the playoff Houston offensive coordinator, Bobby Slowick, who's up to five interviews, and then Detroit offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson. Those are the two hot young offensive coordinators. And we see this now seemingly every year in the NFL, Blake, that those guys are more likely to get jobs than the defensive coordinator, than the offensive coordinators who maybe aren't quite as hot and bursting onto the scene.
1: Call me a snob. I don't think the Seahawks should be, you know, falling over themselves for the shooting star OC. Um, Dan Quinn at least has history at the organization. I can understand that. But I think this organization doesn't want to go with the flashy object right now. Don't they want a coach? Like, get a coach. Get a guy who's been there.
0: Quinn and Raheem Morris are the only two guys with head coaching experience that uh, they so far, at least, that's come out publicly, are interviewing. So I mean, it sounds to me like Schneider is open to... Um, who, screams all, culture,
1: all, who screams culture out of all the candidates? I, so you know it's of. so
0: impossible to know with these assistants, right? That's right, that's right. Like, I don't know what kind of culture Bobby Slowick would preside right. over. And mind. a great example is Nick Sirianni you would have known a lot of things about Nick Sirianni as a assistant coach coming up. Did you know he would be that brash? Do You know, he would be that defiant. Did you know he would go out of his way to pick fights with everybody when he got the big whistle? Uh, yeah. I, so I, I don't know. Any, yeah. I mean, I don't know any of these assistants. We got a glimpse into what Dan Quinn did in Atlanta. We got a glimpse of what Morris did in Tampa, but that was some time ago. Um, yeah, I mean, look, nobody says rah rah as Pete Carroll, so that sort of culture, that sort of environment, that's going to be really difficult to replicate.
1: No, but you can do it with the other kind of culture. Boy, and this I, is what this is where I'm. This is where I'm thinking. You get Mike Tomlin fired, <laughs> is what you do. Now he's not rah rah. He's not the same sort of culture, but he is a culture guy. It's just a different kind of of culture. I
0: think. Well, and here's the thing: it is so difficult these days to build culture with a cohort of athletes and young people who just have been raised different, have been coached different. You take a look at college football and how many guys enter the transfer portal now, Blake, the moment something doesn't go their way. So, no, uh, finding a culture guy, uh, exceedingly difficult. Jim Harbaugh's a culture guy. He's now been interviewed by Atlanta. He's interviewed by the Chargers as well, and uh, I suspect we'll, uh, we'll know more after this weekend in the Divisional the divisional playoffs. Hey, a
1: couple of notes here from down in Abbotsford and with the Whitecaps. Uh, Linus Carlson and Mark Friedman were sent down yesterday. As we talked about, they both got out of the score sheet in a comeback uh, that was foiled. They're down three, nothing after the first, they score three times, I believe all three in the second. Um, They come back to tie, but then ultimately lose it in the third, four, three, but Carlson scored. Friedman had an assist on the tying goal, but they ultimately fall. Pod Colson had a nice assist as well, uh, white cap, Simon Betcher transfer to Denmark is uh official and that's a transfer. So, uh, they give up his rights, but they do have uh a deal attached to it that if he goes on to bigger and better things and he gets a big transfer fee out of there, then mm-hmm. they get a, they get a portion of that. And the other official, uh, move that was, uh, the other uh, move that was made official today is that, uh, Max Crepo to Portland was officially inked to paper today as well. Yeah.
0: And, um, from the NBA, the Raptors look like they're trading Pascal Siakam to the Indiana Pacers for Bruce Brown, another player, three first-round picks. New Orleans is going to be involved. I uh, hear they may send another player to the Raptors. Um, you know, Brown's a serviceable player, three first-round picks. Pascal Siakam, a ufa to be of course, had some say in this because he said not interested in playing in Sacramento, and so the Kings dropped out. The hand was a little bit forced here for Masayu Jurek. And the Raptors, I can't imagine those first-round picks will be high, given that Indiana's a pretty good club. But it seems they like they look so good, asked with what they have, or what they were able to with Siakam and quite a remaking of that franchise here yeah. in season with the OG and Anobi trade and getting RJ Barrett, the Canadian, as well as Quickly, the guard, and, and now Bruce Brown being added to that mix. And it looks like it's uh, effectively rebuilt.
1: I wonder if they would have slowed the roll on this. If like the first five games after that Knicks trade were really fun and good for the Raptors, um, but it's slowed down since then they've lost a few games. And I wonder if they're just like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's let's sell the farm here. We're not, we're not even a play in team.
0: No Uh, no. menu brought to you by Greta bar. Greta, great spot to catch the games throughout the season. Quick walk to the Rinker stadium. Greta go-to spot for food, drinks, fun before and after the game, make it a game night at Greta 50 West Cordova or at gretabar.com. Frank Cervelli going to join us. Today's unavailable on Friday. We talk how aggressive they'll be. We talk about bringing in RFAs or UFAs and immediately giving them an extension. We talk about Patterson, an extension by the den. Frank's got a couple of teams to keep an eye on with regards to, you know, not sellers now, but very well could be by the deadline. We'll get to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter. Corrado today on the Canadian teams, the fit of Elias Lindholm, if he does fit with the Canucks uh, on re-signing players before Patterson at this point and uh, where he would be if he, on Kuzmenko as well, and where would he be if he was in Alvin and Rutherford How How nervous would he be with this Patterson business?
1: So Caris Price from Wall Center Presentation, Applewood Auto Group. When you think of truck, you know what you think of? You think of the Ford F-150. That's what you think. That's the working man's truck. It can also be the cook the contractor's truck. You know the guy who's got that beautiful truck that's never seen anything in the bed in his entire life, but it still looks so good. The F-150 is both of those things. That's why everybody loves it. We'll get one. Apple would Ford Port Hardy right now with 2023s. Come with a $5,000 rebate, plus $1,500 bonus for eligible owners as well. It's all good. at Applewood. Poll question today, when
0: will you be concerned about Elias Patterson's contract? Right now, at the March 8th, Trade deadline at the draft when push really comes to shove. or not concerned at all. You can vote. That's the Price on Twitter and YouTube. Frank Saravelli from the Frankly Speaking podcast, Daily Face Off, NHL Insider, joins us here. He's busy on Friday, so we're going to talk today. um He's still licking his wounds from Monday's football game. Hope you're, you're okay just gonna,
2: you're just picking the scab right off. He was just getting over it. It's mm-hmm. deserved. I mean that that was a disaster. I mean yeah. I. I, I can't imagine a pro sports team collapsing in that type of fashion. Like, I know that they probably weren't as good as their record was 11 and one to start the year, but the way that the teams they lost to the way that they fell apart, the collapses in second halves, losing to the Cardinals, the giants, like it just, and then Baker Mayfield beats you in the playoffs. Like, where's your difference maker in Jalen hurts? Where's your defense? How did everyone forget how to tackle?
0: Should have gone all in at the trade deadline.
2: I'm glad they didn't.
1: <laughs> this is the warning from professional sports, right? <laughs> this is, uh, you know, how real are the Canucks? Should they go all in? These are uh, these are the lessons that we're trying to. Uh, now teach. we sure.
0: we talked about that last week, Frank, uh, and you articulated the point: give yourself as, as many shots. I'm not sure if you uh, picked up Patrick Alvin. But he was talking about um, how he may owe it to the players uh, to get more aggressive at the trade deadline. So what are you hearing? How aggressive do you think they've been to date? And do you think they'll be amongst the most aggressive between now and March 8th?
2: Aggressive has been their middle name yeah. in the last calendar year. I mean, I've we've talked about it. I've written a story saying that Patrick Alvine and kind of coupled with Jim Rutherford should be the GM of the year frontrunners. Because of all the moves that they've made. But I do understand his thought process and what he's saying. I personally think there's a caveat to it. Like, I I can't in good faith say that the Canucks, as well as they've played and as buoyant as they've been all season long, and frankly, even through some, you know, minor valleys, have been damn near consistent the whole way through. That in good faith, they should dump all of their future assets out the window to try and load up for this year. I think you can do that if you're finding fits that have term that you believe can be part of the solution moving forward. But to do it on a rental basis doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Well, let me
0: ask you this. Like with a Lindholm, with a Gensel, with guys who are out of contract. If you acquired them and immediately signed them, Frank, how would that play in a room where Pedersen and Ronick are seeking contracts?
2: I think in the short term, everyone's excited because you're like, look how much better our team just got. And in the long term, you sit back and you scratch your head and you, you break out your calculator and you go, okay, we know Lindholm has been asking for a boatload. Then you look at, you know, pick another player they're they're in a spot where there's there's not going to be enough dollars to go around at some point. And maybe that's on someone else further down the lineup, as the Canucks have shown their ability to move out other pieces. I think, in like I said, the best way to explain it is short-term, everyone's happy. Long-term, everyone's like, oh, wait a second here.
1: Are people going to spend the money for next year at the trade deadline? I mean, we haven't had a trade deadline with the promise of a big bump, big salary cap bump in years. Our GMs going to go crazy? We, we, we always try to predict how, how busy things are going to be. Finally, they can sort of pre-commit some dollars from next year a little bit. Will they be tempted to?
2: Some will be for sure. I, I think the big storyline to watch for me is how good these seven teams are in the West that more or less have spots locked up. You know, we always throw around the term arms race. And what does that mean? And I think in certain key situations like it makes sense and in the way that consider some of the team needs here and i wrote a story on dailyfaceoff.com yesterday outlining team by team you know objectives for all 16 western conference teams and so colorado second line center uh the winnipeg jets second line center we know the the canucks are looking for a top six forward i personally believe it's still in their best interest if they're targeting a specific position to be a center so maybe in in the limited supply to go around there could be an arms race on that front but a huge part of me wonders are the smartest teams this year the ones that kind of just sit back and say less is more you know maybe a move around the periphery it strikes me that the last two cup winners in vegas and colorado neither one of them traded a first round pick in the deadline prior to winning the cup And they found kind of curated smart selections that were difference makers when it mattered, but at the same time, didn't totally cut their nose off to spite their face when it comes to four years from now, when you'd need that pick or player contributing to your team on an inexpensive deal. I said it last week, and I just want to say it one more time to echo it again. If the Canucks are considering moving Lecker Mackey at any point, please stop and give your head a shake.
1: Do you think Where, that teams like Nashville, Calgary and Seattle are, are still fully engrossed in the playoff push and fully ready to to keep these players under their under their uh, you know uh tent here for the next 6 weeks? Uh, you know, how anybody here close to folding up?
2: Publicly I think they are and for good reason because I think you're trying to continue to create buzz in your market and sell tickets, but realistically I would have to think that for managers like Barry Trotz and Doug Armstrong who have verbalized to me directly on frankly speaking this season that their teams are a few years away from competing the smart money would be on them selling off pieces and really keeping a long view as tempting as it might be for a team like the Preds that still needs that market buzz to really be a successful franchise off the ice. Um, they like, they've got some interesting questions to answer. It's not just the typical pending free agents, the carriers that make sense or Dante Fabro, if he's not part of your team moving forward as a, as an RFA, but like, what about uh, someone like a Colton Sissons who has a couple years left at 2.8 million bucks that, you know, on the back end of where you want to get to, might just kind of be aging out of of where you want to go. So I think they all those teams have have intriguing decisions to make. The Blues, how do they free up some cap flexibility and roster flexibility? They're not winning with that blue line, all four guys making, you know, 24 million bucks with no trade clauses and are on the wrong side of 30. How do you find a way to shake things up? So I do think that they're in a spot where they're much closer to moving on than committing to a race.
0: Yeah. Lots of UFAs in Nashville as well, Frank. Um, Elias Peterson, if you were in Alvin shoes right now, how concerned would you be that not only do you not have an extension in place, but he hasn't even given a lot of signals that he wants to
2: resign here. I think the problem is he hasn't given any signals, right? And I think we all get twisted in trying to read through little things. you know, what does this mean? It's like it kind of reminds me of like you know when you first start dating a girl and you're reading through the text messages and you're trying to just pick up little things between the lines, like, does she like me? Does she not? Am I in the mix? and the the Canucks are kind of in that spot where they see this guy every day, they see his greatness, and They're, they're over eager. Let's get to the table. Let's get this done. Put pen to paper. We are willing to back up the truck for you. And they're just kind of being stiff armed. They're not being strong armed. It's more just like, well, not there yet. And I, I get their level of concern. I don't think it's at any sort of heightened level because we've still got a long ways to go, but man, he could make life really easy for them. When it comes to not just this deadline, but also for how this summer plays out and how aggressive they are at this deadline, that I think sometimes as much as the player wanted to slow play this and is not in any rush, really what it comes back to in the long run is that he's only going to hurt himself and the team in the sense that, look, he made the smart play in the beginning of the year. He's made himself a lot more money this year by playing it out. I think overall, and I think we'd all nod our heads and agree at that. But when your mission and mandate is to play on an absolute contender and you want to be on the best team possible, well, you can do your team a huge favor and provide them the proper roadmap necessary to get to where they want to get to by signing sooner rather than later. So don't come back to us you know, later on six months from now and say, well, Hey, you know, they just didn't get the job 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 done. This team isn't competitive as it could have been. He's going to have to shoulder some of that as well. The longer it drags on
0: the uh, club has been consistent in messaging. Look, he's an RFA, not a UFA. We have two years of control here, but do you think there's any realistic Avenue where the Vancouver Canucks would go? All right, Elias, we'll qualify you as an RFA and let you play out your final year of the deal before unrestricted free agency. Do you think there's any possibility of that?
2: I mean, trying to think of a percent chance, seven, 10, (laughs) it's small. I mean,
1: seven, let's go seven.
2: It's it's that would be disastrous on so many fronts. I mean, you're broadcasting to everyone that this is not going to likely be a long term fit. You have a, you know, franchise caliber player that you, you know, yeah, you get to enjoy the spoils of for one more year potentially, but you also shoulder a whole ton of risk as well. I can't imagine it coming to that point. I, it's really not even on my radar at all that I, like, I yeah. still, I think sure. we're a long way off from thinking that Pedersen's not going to sign. Or a, a you know even a midterm deal, let alone a long term deal, I just I don't I just don't see the path. No.
0: Yeah. So basically, if you get to June 25th or July 1st, the qualifying window, and you don't have them on an extension at that point, you have to consider trading Elias
1: Patterson. Is that fair? Yes. So draft is the deadline for you. Um, I that- I
2: kind of think June. Like if your team's not playing still. That June first is like I'm looking at it, going, "All right, we're putting our helmets on and we're going into battle here the rest of this month, trying to figure this thing out."
1: Well, right, because there's two two elements to that. You have to have a deadline of we're going to negotiate to this point, and then after that, we have to start looking at trades uh, at that point if we don't get. So you have to give yourself time for that
2: too. That's why I think it's it's early June, a little bit earlier, Mm -hmm. yeah. And so the clock is it's ticking, and not really yet, but man, like to to do it in the next month would be incredibly important for the Canucks. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can understand, I understand why they're getting antsy. Like I think he's done a good job of kind of publicly tamping down the frustration. And that interview with Ian McIntyre was kind of sort of the first crack that we've seen in them saying, Hey, this is, yeah, it's a little bit unusual, but I could tell in talking to not just Canucks executives, but people around the league that under the surface, they're like, They're itching to get this done. Yeah. Yeah, I mean,
1: within within reason, do they have the blank check out? Like they're not signing up for 15 million, but within reason, isn't the blank check effectively been handed over to him?
2: I mean, more or less like they're like, yeah, like what you tell us what kind of term you're looking for and we'll work out an AAV with you. Like that's kind of where it is. And he's he's going to be a very wealthy man, whether it's midterm or long term.
0: Yeah, and of course, full no move too, right, Frank? Like they're willing to give um, him that. One I would think. think. Yeah, um, I I almost felt like this week's interview in Alvin with McIntyre is, uh, you know, and as is as is the way in the modern world, usually with a select reporter, um, I almost felt like this is their sort of way of putting a little bit of pressure on Pedersen and his camp, and I I sort of wonder how that's going to be received because he's a different cat. I think we've all realized that.
2: Yeah. And I, I don't know the answer to that, but the fact that, you know, I had, you know, a previous interview with Alvin in November, that that was sort of the first, Hey, like they're letting everyone know we're pushing Right. that this next one was like, yeah, this is a little bit unusual. If there's another one a month from now before the deadline, as they're mm-hmm. sort of setting everything up, like I wouldn't be surprised if he's not signed to see them take it a step further.
0: Yeah. And the other thing is, is there's a history in this market. Like the owner does try to Vancouver? get close. Yes. History market, Yeah. What? Well, no, but the owner does try and get close to players. Like, he considers himself a, you know, compatriot of the players. Like I know, in the past, he has told his managers, "Okay, let me take a crack at him," sort of thing. So not that all. he, yeah, well, no, but the idea being that this is could be, perceived the idea being as, that what
2: people think Frank is cool, like no, like?
0: no, the idea being that the Canucks take this personally, that they feel like they're being rejected, or well, that at, at a wanted. certain.
2: At a certain point when you do kind of hand over the blank check and you're like, you get told, well, maybe at some point I, I would get, I would start to not just be worried, but take that a little bit differently. I, again, I want to be clear and, and not, this is, I'm not blowing this up. I think that it's there. There's plenty of time and I really don't have any alarm, mm-hmm. but at a certain point, you you will have some if it's not done. Well, I guess my
1: for a lot of people it's what are you waiting for? Because I think uh, he had a lot of runway, especially you know month into the season where he's performing, and he had a hundred points last year, where he's he's still trying to see what the organization looks like. You know, are do they have a level of of direction? they've sort of proven that things look pretty good right now. Um, You know, in some ways he's got a lot more leash because of the season he's having, but in some ways the Canucks have a lot more leash too, in that, look, yeah. you wanted a winning
2: environment. You've got it here. What else are you waiting for? Both, both sides have delivered. Yeah. That's the truth is Pedersen's deliver on every part of a contract year. And the Canucks have delivered on providing a better, more competitive team. I think a really kind of, Sig- the next significant waypoint that we're looking at here is, is the bye week. Yes. You know, it, the Canucks have a lot of guys going to All Star, as we know, but there's a, a kind of brief respite period on the back end of that. That I think you get through that, that, you know, maybe you start to look at things a little bit differently. Good boy. <laughs>
0: um, have you heard Andre Kuzmenko's name at all out there? in trade circles.
2: No, I think there's a bunch of teams that are curious that are, that have contacted the Canucks and said, Hey, if you get to a point where, you know, you feel like you have to do this, we're certainly interested and ready and willing to talk. I think the Canucks are are trying to do everything they can to avoid that. I think Kuzmenko for his part has played a little bit better the last few games, which has been encouraging. And I think, You know, he he wants to be part of the solution, which is really an important part of the jigsaw puzzle that you're trying to put together. A lot of times when you get to healthy scratch zone, you start to it's it's not so much ego, but you start to deal with guys that have their feelings hurt, that can't ever really look at you the same way. And the fact that Kuzmenko, yes, he's older, but is in that second year, has sort of stepped up and said he wants to be there. It's a lot easier to work with a player when they respond that way. Yep.
0: Great stuff, Frank. Have a good trip. We'll catch up next week. Thanks, guys. It's a Karis price from wall center presentation, Apple and auto group. Hashtags the best and worst at twitter.com. And Blake, I'm going to lead us off today. Oh, When they do this, do they know the rest of the country is laughing at them? At TSN Hockey. From That's Hockey. For the 28th straight season, the Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl hopes were dashed as they were eliminated by the Packers. Could their continued agony be a warning for the Maple
1: Leafs? Yeah. and what's everything come. everything ties back
0: you know headline hockey's oh. cowboys oh, man. which our friend trevor martin's at trevor martin's 11 the cowboys lost what does that mean for the Leafs? <laughs> <laughs> why
1: why I, do you
0: I, do this to yourself TSM? i can
1: i can honestly say having been in that newsroom for as long as i was <laughs> it's not intentional in the sense of they're like, we can only talk about the Leafs. Remember, this is a leaf. Sta-. There's just so many people from Toronto. That's just the prism they see everything through. Like they just, and, just
0: can't help it. And Blake, I'm guilty. Like the, the the couple of years I was around the leaf, you do become so myopic. Yeah. You do become like so in an insulated bubble, like I didn't know what was going on in politics at that time, in global affairs, anything. I was just leafs, 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 because that was sort of what's ingrained into you. When now, you're to be, that to be
1: fair, it's a great column for the Toronto Star. It's a great uh, piece for one of the local outlets. It's just not a national piece. Like The national fans yeah. don't care like yeah. uh, about that level of a deep dive. It's a great piece for the Toronto Star and the Toronto Sun, though. Can Dak Prescott save the Leafs?
0: <laughs> Austin Matthews as Dak Prescott. Oh <laughs> what we God. really
1: need here is a Jerry Jones type of owner who's going to kick some tail. Crazy. At SI, uh, si Phillips Sports, Simon Phillips covering uh, football across the pond. Chelsea do hold a serious interest in Alfonso Davies, as reported in November so amidst all these Real Madrid talks for Alphonso Davies transfer from Bayern Munich could he go to the Premier League and play with Chelsea which I think a lot of people here would prefer just because it's easier to find the the games and all that Mm -hmm. sort of stuff uh and Chelsea I think do have a place in his heart to some degree maybe not to the Real Madrid level but um, I mean the, these are the what two was, clubs he, he would he would earmark, I think.
0: Didn't you tell me that when Real wants their man, they get their man? Um you got could...
1: with Byron with Byron. Byron's got so much pride here, they're not a transferring team, like right. right. They, they they don't sell, they right. give up on you, but they don't yes. sell. <laughs> right. So um this is gonna be weird if they if Byron does go, they're gonna go kicking and screaming. Well,
0: um, and Chelsea could use them ninth on the table, yeah, right now and you know where i stand i would like to see him play in the premiership I, I would uh love to follow him in the best
1: league in the world uh at as12 adam stern from the sports business journal las vegas grand prix will start at 1 a.m eastern time again in 2024 guys, guys. a lot of complaints about this they announced all doing? the f1 times once again at 10 p.m local start time oh man uh which I get to some degree if you're if it's a nice little local regional sports event, um, yeah, I get it in Vegas. That's kind of sexy to have it start late, but if you're thinking in, at all in terms of the broader U.S. sports mm-hmm. fan, you're not getting any of them at 1 well, a.m. Eastern time,
0: and and you know, to take it even further, so that's 6 a.m. in the UK, that's 7 a.m. on the continent, like that's where a lot of your fans are as well, too. Yeah, that's when the race starts for them. which... If you're a Canadian F1 fan, you're very accustomed to this because of yes, a lot of the here yeah. it's a morning sport for a lot of us uh, in Canada and the US but yeah, that's unfortunate. And lastly for me at FOS front office sports. The LA Clippers have released rules for the wall. The Intuit Dome's new section of 51 uninterrupted rows of fans. Have you seen this? I saw the made, is this the announcement they made yesterday? So are you familiar in European basketball where they have that massive section behind one of the hoops that just stretches and stretches and stretches. Right. And so you got flags being waved. It's almost like a soccer uh, end zone. So the Clippers are building that into their new arena and they want it to be like the super fan zone. And so they have rules. You cannot cheer for the opposing team. You cannot wear opponent gear. Tickets can only be resold in the Clippers marketplace and the prices of these tickets on a season basis vary from starting at 5,000 to 25,000 per season ticket. Yeah. Help me out here. How are you going to enforce cheering for the opposing team?
1: I think that's Not, not so- to
0: mention wearing opposing here like these poor ushers and security folks who are going to have to monitor this area like a guy I mean, walks in in a coat takes it off and he's got a uh lakers or a warriors t-shirt you're going to go tell him you got to take the t-shirt on you off or you got to put the jacket on
1: honestly if the guys within earshot of you i think they probably will i i think it's going to be and i don't i'm not saying i'm encouraging violence or intimidation here but i think you do so with your self police, yeah, self police to some degree. I mean, do you? Do you? I mean, there's going to be one shit disturber that tries it, I suppose. Well, but, no, but it
0: goes beyond this, Blake. Uh, this is America is the most litigious land going. At, at what point does a guy go there in opposing gear, get, get told sued? he can't sit, and, and decide, okay, I'm going to push this legally. Right, see where you see what kind of stomach you guys have, or maybe just try and get a settlement from billionaire Steve Ballmer, the owner. Thought this was the land of
1: the free. I'm allowed to do. That's not freedom. I'm allowed to cheer for the Warriors. Yeah, imagine that. Like when when public health is at risk, it's not freedom. But for the sports thing, we're all going to abide. Oh yes. uh, At Variety uh, to follow up on a long-standing story here on and Prize, and we thought this was where it was going to go amazon to acquire stake in diamond sports under bankruptcy reorganization prime video to become the primary streamer for the regional sports networks uh it was just too obvious for us to deny it way back when when this whole story started so uh most of these u.s regional and this includes national hockey league teams folks south of the border uh you'll be logging on to amazon now i'm i'm gonna guess ip geolocating is going to blackout these things. I'd be surprised if all of a sudden you could log in on Amazon Prime and start watching out of market, but I could be wrong. Maybe not. Maybe maybe this will usurp all of that, Um, and the NHL will just be happy that the money's still flowing, Um, but uh, it will be logging into Amazon to watch the local sports, uh, NBA, baseball, and NHL teams.
0: Hey, um, I I wonder this. With Keith Pelley at MLSC now, is he going to say okay, boys, we're done with TSN, we're done with Sportsnet. A lot of money in it. Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment app. You get the Leafs, you get the Raptors, you get TFC, you get the Argos, you get other sort of specials.
1: Like, we're like, selling like, this yeah.
0: on a subscription service per yeah. month. And that's that. I, I do wonder whether you know the big consortiums are going to look at it and say, we can do better this way than we can by selling off
1: or put it on crazy or rights. whatever it is, you know, like there's, there's a bunch of different avenues that it could go down, but yeah. Is it something like that? Is it going to be digital only because they see that as more money? Mm-hmm. Um, quite possible. The only thing I would say about the app, Matt, is that then you're requiring subscriptions, uh, like isolated well, subscriptions. No, but here's the thing with Amazon, you will most likely just be able to make a click on your Amazon Prime account already. What people don't like, and this is, again, something I've learned a little bit here with MLS, is they don't like the additional uh, subscription. Mm-hmm. But if, if you've got it as part of another wider subscription, and maybe it's just a box to tick that adds to that subscription, people are a lot less problematic with it. They just don't want the new subscription to a new place.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, in one regard, that's... You know, six and a half dozen of the other. but I hear. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. No. To uh, stre- streamline. No. I mean, it's yeah. like, you know, you want to sign up for something new. Okay. Create an account. Uh, set your password. Got enough fucking passwords. Yeah. You know. Yeah. what yeah. I mean, like, I've got enough. You know, I don't and want do a specific you, password and account for your service or your whatever.
1: And just this your website. Like, how many things will. do it? Like, but with my kids, like, I, like, like, weird, like, Adobe adobe subscription so that we can you know sign things on adobe uh, pdfs And uh, like i was paying i don't know however much per year off for an adobe subscription like i didn't even know we were doing that like how many <laughs> how many blind subscriptions are in my life and so i think people are a little bit wary of that Of, oh my god like what is this on my bill you know so we'll see you could have just taken my work account Adobe. there you go thank you so much I, you. I have canceled that one so i'll have okay. to you oh, okay. yeah. there you go glad we could
0: bring you two together <laughs> And that's hashtags for today. Joined now by former Vancouver Canuck TSN hockey analyst, the one and only Mr. Frank Carano. How you doing, Frankie? I'm
3: pretty good. There's a lot going on. I hear you guys got snow. We got snow here in Toronto. Yeah. Everyone wants to talk about Toronto these days. Oh, I mean, yeah. Every comparison gets made to Toronto. You know, you guys got snow. We got to talk about the snow we get here. The <laughs> Cowboys lose. We got to talk about how that relates to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, it really is. I don't even think it's the center of the hockey world. I just think it's the center of the world. That's true.
0: That's true. Yeah. So, Frank, what what do you think the Leafs can learn from the Cowboys' playoff loss to the Packers?
3: Well, you know what? When you get injuries to your to your defense, that generally hurts you. Um, you know, don't sign Dak Prescott to a long term deal. Um, you know, I'm trying. I trying heard True has been ahead. looking at him. I heard True like, really maybe, likes Prescott. Hey, spread the ball around a little bit, right? Yep, yep. You, you don't have to just throw to Ceedee Lamb all the time. Like, let's have some different options. Let's run the ball a little bit. Let let's let's spread it around. So. You know, that's a lot of lessons that the Leafs can can take into their own game there.
0: Honestly, I think this is a lesson for incoming CEO of MLSE, Keith Paley. He's got to act more like Jerry Jones. He's got to be right there in I the mix on personnel this is, with all yeah. four franchises.
3: This is what we need. We need, like, his weekly radio hit, like Jerry Jones does, where he just airs it all out and lets it fly. So we can hang on to that, and then we'll really be in business. Like we'll he, really he, have he has to
1: arrive on. at Argo's practice in a helicopter, needless to say. <laughs> of <course>. um, yeah. <laughs> Cowboy Yeah. Boone. I've
3: actually seen Jerry Jones, hey? So twice we were going to Dallas. I saw Jerry Jones. One time was with the Canucks and one time was with the Leafs. Um, He was at the same restaurant as us and he had his own little area tucked in a corner. It was a um, somewhat famous kind of sushi restaurant, uh, four letter name. And Jerry Jones, I don't know, man. I've seen him there twice. He loves eating there.
1: Look at you on an entry level salary, uh, dining with Jerry Jones. Uh, you have your Who priorities says straight. Who yeah. says you know, hockey happens? players are underpaid, huh?
3: You know, you know what happens sometimes when you're on your entry level and, and you're in the NHL. And especially for me, it was like, man, I don't know how long I'm gonna be here. I right. no boot. I'll eat yeah. at Nobu if I want. What am I like? What if I'm not here next year and then I I passed on the opportunity to eat at Nobu? Hell, hell no! I'm eating. Can't
1: spend it when you're dead, Frank. Can't exactly. spend it when you're dead. Can't take yeah. it with you. Yeah,
3: yeah.
1: Um, um, so, in all seriousness, in, in all seriousness, um, there's some just delicious storylines north of the border right now for for the hockey teams: uh, Winnipeg, Edmonton, and the Canucks all cooking with gas. Toronto licking wounds and navel gazing here wondering what their season looks like. I mean, we've only got seven teams, but we own a lot of the best storylines right now in hockey.
3: It's amazing. It's amazing what's going on. And, and the teams out West are playing really good hockey. Like we, we've reached the point now in the season where we can come to the conclusion. They're not bluffing and they're not fluking. And it's Vancouver, it's Edmonton and Winnipeg. Like Winnipeg does it again where they don't give up more than three goals. They beat the Islanders the Canucks go on that road trip and they have to battle all kinds of elements, whether it's, you know, the travel or, you know, the games that you have to play against some really good teams, the weather they had to endure, like that was not easy for the Canucks. And they come out of that road trip looking like a really good team. And last night watching Edmonton play against Toronto, like the Edmonton Oilers are doing things a little different than you maybe would have thought. You think if the Edmonton Oilers were going to win 11 games in a row, Power play, unbelievable. Like McDavid, Dreisaitl, score and fill in the back of the net like crazy. And you watch the game last night, Stuart Skinner was really, really good. Of course, McDavid was good in that line with with Nugent Hopkins and Hyman. They were a big part of the story. But they get two goals in the third period, one by Derek Ryan, one by Ryan McLeod, and and they find a way to win that game. It's like that is what makes Edmonton dangerous at times because if they can get good goaltending – and they can play stingy defensively and they get a little depth scoring. Those are added elements to that team that they haven't really been able to put together for prolonged periods of time.
1: Luger girl and Joshua, right? Same thing here. Yeah.
3: Very listen, very relatable. That line is, 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 very good. And that's the thing now with this Canucks team that, that comes to the forefront because they've, they've kind of loaded up the, the lotto line. And I think it's a great move to have it like Knobloch goes to McDavid and Dreisaitl at times. It's like now Knobloch can almost like microdose it. You know, he can just put it in in little spurts, right? It could be like last night it was McDavid, Drysdale, and Ryan McLeod was on the ice. And, and you don't really notice it. And then, oh, look at that. They're on the ice, but then he'll, he'll split it up. Tockett has that ability now where he can put the lotto line together. It doesn't have to be for a full game, but know that you can go nuclear and get good results and and maybe change the momentum of, of a game like that. Maybe catch a team sleeping. Maybe you're playing on home ice and you can catch a matchup that you really like. Like that's just having your finger on the pulse and having a good gut for the game. And now the Canucks have that option. Matt, did, so, you
1: notice, he- did you notice? do you he was using West Coast parlance there? Using microdosing, like he knows that the only way to speak to us is through weed language. <laughs> uh, that's, that was his only choice. The Toronto guy gets it. He see he's not he's not doing the TSM thing. Like, who says it's only weed. Yeah, that's true. It's
0: true. Mushroom. We have mushroom shops now. Yeah, you so. guys got
3: it all out yeah. There. Oh, yeah.
0: No, I mean, soon you're going to be able to go down to the corner store and get some LSD and Coke.
3: Yep. Did microdose. Um, microdose. Yeah.
0: Microdose. Microdose. You know, yeah. fentanyl and a microdose. What could go wrong? Um, so, if you were Alvin, then, Frankie, have you seen enough to go all in here? Like, if you get the right player available and it costs the Electra Mackey or Wheelander or first round pick or some combination thereof, are, are, are you able to pull the trigger?
3: So I kind of looked at this recently. The, the term all in is subjective based on what you have in the cupboard and what you're willing to give up. And you, you have to look at who every team's UFA are, UFAs are. Start there. Is there someone that really jumps off the page that you think can make a, a big difference for your team? One player jumps out at me, and it's been talked about a lot. It's Elias Lindholm. Like that would be a guy that would be a perfect second line center. And would he would be a game changer for the Canucks, because now you could go lotto line full time. If Patterson is okay, playing the wing or if Miller is okay, playing the wing at times, like you'll have to navigate that. But if you get that guy, then it's probably worth a little more currency. What that means to the team, you know, is that your first round pick? Is that like Like, that's that's got to be up to them to be able to digest that. But with the way they've kind of caught lightning in a bottle here, I would be more open to making that kind of move for that player for Lindholm. Then you get lower on the list of guys, and you see names like Adam Henrique, who I think will be a good addition to a team looking to make a run for a championship. But now I'm not willing to part with Lekaramaki, or I'm not. No, willing he's to not
0: go- a. He's not an all-in piece, That's not an
3: all-in piece. No. There's there's really one player that that I'm thinking you would go all-in for. And with the way the team has played this year, they've probably shown you enough that if you want to make that move, that feeling around the team is going to be reciprocated from the team. But there's not not a plethora of options out there where you say, well, we can go all-in on this guy or that guy or that guy. If you miss on it, you're just making a little bit of a move to kind of reinforce things, and you're playing with what you got.
0: Let me ask you a follow-up on Lindholm, because outside of a 42-goal season uh, a couple of years ago when he was 82-82, and he hasn't really been known for goal scoring. More That's his only 30-goal season, incidentally. Um, Now, you're not going to sneeze to 27, 29, 22 goals. He's on eight this year. He's more set up than he is finisher. Fair? And when you look at the Canucks collection of wingers, I, I would suggest they're more creators than they are finishers, with you know, the potential exception of Dakota Joshua down on well, down Kusmaker on the third too. line. And of mm-hmm. course, Besser. Well, I mean, you know, I'm not well, sure what Kuzmenko is this year. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: You know, tell me the fit. If Lindholm had to play with say a Mikaef and a Kuzmenko, how would you feel about that line and how they went about doing their
3: business? I actually, like I actually would like the the makeup of that line because you just talked about how like he is a little more of a creator, maybe a little more of a player who's going to defer. Maybe he can find Kuzmenko a little bit more. Mikheyev for me is not a playmaker. Like Mikheyev is a drop your shoulder, drive it to the net kind of tunnel vision guy, but that's okay. That works. And with the right centerman, that can really work. And having all that speed on that line, like Lindholm's not the fastest player either. So now you have a player a little more fleet of foot in Mikheyev, like that adds a, a, a little, you know, dimension to that line. I think that would be a really interesting line. I think it would be a good line. And maybe, you know, you think back at the line that Lindholm played on in Calgary when they had a lot of success, it was Johnny Goudreau and Matthew Kachuk. Johnny Goudreau for me is a playmaker first, a goal scorer second. That's what he was when he was at his best. I still think that's what he is. Although he has that sneaky little release that he he can score goals. So it's not like, you know, he's had to play with different types of players. He's played in, in situations where there's been other creators, other playmakers on, on his line, and that's where he's had the most success. So, I, listen, I, I think Lindholm is, is an interesting player. He's, you know, Calgary's played better as of late. That'll be, you know, they're they're going to have to sort through their own things. I think a lot of us thought Calgary at the start of the year, with the way they started, was just going to be, hey, move on from all your pieces and try and recoup for the future. I think the the worry there with some teams now is if you do decide to go with the big rebuild, like the scorched earth rebuild, it's hard to get back to where you want to go. Like if you can find a way to keep some good pieces and build around that and maybe add some youth and some speed around it, like maybe you're better suited that way. So that's something Calgary is going to have to sort through here. But I have no doubt, like if Lindholm was the second line center for the Vancouver Canucks going into the playoffs, there would be a lot of people, myself included, saying, I don't want to play that team. Like, that's a scary proposition.
0: Let me ask one more follow-up on this, Uh, and this applies to Lindholm. This might apply to Gensel, who we talked about um, last week, Uh, not to mention any other rentals or RFAs of a certain order that you would want to bring in with the eye to keeping them. In this environment where Pedersen doesn't have a contract, where Hronick doesn't have a contract. Can you bring a guy in and sign him immediately? Or would that be unsettling and off-putting to a room that so far has had great chemistry?
3: Well, you, you can do it, Matt, but the issue with that is, you know, the cap next year is going to be $87.7 million. So you better have your ducks in a row if you're going to do that. Meaning if you're going to bring someone in and you want to sign them to an extension, you better make sure there's X amount of dollars sitting there. And it's very obvious when you look at the cap structure waiting for Elias Petterson And now what is that number? Like, that's kind of the, you know, the conversation now and Petterson like you guys have been going through this now it's been very interesting with Pedersen. He's like a very closed book about what he wants to do. No one really knows what he's thinking. You know, the, the numbers, you know, you'd have to take a look at the comparables, but you know, he's, he's long surpassed the Sebastian Aho 9.75. Like, you know, with William Nylander now signing for 11 and a, a half million dollars, it's like, we're probably talking $12 million now. Like we're probably talking 12 plus. And especially if he's going to go back to back Jack's hundred point seasons, like we're probably in the conversation of how close is it to Austin Matthews at this point. And like if they're going to make a move and sign someone and bring you know put that money on the books, they should leave a little wiggle room, you know, in that yeah. twelve to thirteen million dollar range for Patterson. Did you know what, well, those, I was thinking those...
0: at least eleven five. I mean, I think the moment Nealander yeah. signed for eleven five, it was going to be at least eleven five for Patterson. And then secondly, I was talking as much about the priority of re-signing a guy as a, as, a, as much as the cap dollars. Like you bring a guy in instantly and immediately give him the extension. Because that's the tree's yeah. design. Whew. But I think with I Patterson think and how many times later. he's already been passed over, uh, not to mention Philip Peronik. Boy,
3: yeah, I just wonder I about also, the. Uh, I also think though that, if
2: Patterson,
0: that. Done, think if Patterson wanted
3: the deal done, don't you think if Patterson wanted the deal done, they could have picked up the phone today yeah. and said, "Here's yeah. the number, and let's do it." So I yeah, think, of course, you know, that can't just be. The team still needs to conduct their business. Like it's a it's a fast moving league. So if they have the opportunity to pull the trigger on something, they kind of owe it to the team. Um, as an organization to, to make their move on that with keeping in mind that they're going to have to have a decision on Pedersen at some point so like that decision can't hold up all the other business that the organization 100%. needs to do and as long as you fair, know, what, I think fair. as long as the communication lines are open that way between Alvin and Rutherford and, um, you know, the agent representation and the player it's like listen. We're happy to wait we're happy to let you work through whatever you're going to work through, we still need to make moves here and if the opportunity comes up we're going to have to sign players but it's not like we forgot about you, as long as you have that kind of communication open. Like what are you going to do you're 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 kind of working through some stuff on your end to see if you want to stay there long term the team's got to make decisions.
1: And one thing I've learned about hockey players is they are unbelievable at keeping the blinders on for what's going on in the rest of the world, in the rest of the dressing room, and all that sort of thing. There's no chance that this Pedersen contract thing is leaking into the room in terms of a distraction, is it, at this point? And that's the whole reason why Pedersen didn't want to negotiate during the season, because he thought it would be a distraction, but now not having it is—is is, does any player in that room kind of perk up and go, geez, I wonder if Pedersen's here next year. Or are they just so engrossed in what's happening this year? And I think I know that that's the answer, but yeah. you tell me.
3: No, I think you, you, you hit the nail on their head, the head there. Like think about there. there's probably days in, in anyone's life where you have so many things going on and you're like, you finally get home at the end of the day. You're like, man, I haven't had time to think about this or that. And I got to mm-hmm. do this all over again tomorrow. And like the day-to-day of an NHL hockey player is so regimented and it's honestly quite busy. Like right from the time you get to the rink, you're just so entrenched in what you need to do. I got to work in new skates. I got to take my sticks. um, I got to grab some treatment. Then we have a workout. Then we have our meeting. Then there's the goalie ice. Then I got to hop on the ice for practice. Then I got to do my cool down. Then I got to get a good meal. Then I go home and I deal with, you know, whatever. You got to be a dad. You got to be a boyfriend. You got to be a husband. You got to be all those things at the same time. No one's really sitting there thinking about, I wonder when Petey's going to sign his contract. You just have so much going on. And, you know, we started this this hit by talking about me going to Nobu in the NHL because you're like not sure how long you're going to be sitting there and have that opportunity to do that. It's like every day in the NHL, you're just so focused on what you need to do, what the team needs to do on the ice – you don't really have that much time to think about someone else's contracts, you know, that might happen or might not happen. There's just not enough brain capacity in, in, in a day's life. Okay, Patrick or in a player's life.
1: Patrick Alvin can worry about those sorts of things because that's his business. Uh he's conducting interviews now and and he's relatively serene on the outside. Inside, is he a little scared? A little little concerned about about the fact that you know they're making it sounds like, and again, we're really only hearing one side of this because Pedersen and his agent remain relatively calm about it. Although JP Barry, who's sort of agent number two in this negotiation, said, "Yeah, it might be time to get back to the table." He said that about a week and a half ago, but it just sounds like the Canucks are calling and getting the busy signal right now.
3: Oh, I'd be scared. I'd be terrified. And and even though he's an RFA. And if you know he's not going to stay there long term, you're going to make a deal to try and get something that can really set you up. But I don't know, look what happened when Calgary had to make that deal. Like that, that would, the proposition of that would would terrify me as an organization. I think Elias Patterson is far too valuable to this team. Uh, He's just, he's proven himself time and time again to be one of the league's elite players. He goes about it quietly. um, And I think that's, it's just such a perfect fit. For, for the Vancouver market, like somewhat understated, but like very, uh, very passionate. Like you can see the passion when he plays. Like, I think a lot of the qualities he has um, kind of reflect the Vancouver market. So I don't know. I think, you know, going into this, if, if you don't get a, a clear answer that would, yeah, that would keep me up at night a little bit. Just not knowing what this guy's thinking for the future.
0: Andre Kuzmenko. Uh, pointless on the road trip, although some decent underlines. In fact, pointless in 10 out of his last 11 games and the only game where he has points is against the San Jose Sharks. Alvin talking yesterday saying, talk, it's a big puzzle guy. We got to make sure the pieces of the puzzle fit. Are you at the point where you just have to trade this player and better deploy his $5.5 million cap hit?
3: It might, like, we're probably getting to that point. If the coach can't figure out how to use the guy and you're not getting, like, he's had a lot of runway. We talked a little while back about, okay, like, you made the decision to sit him down. Now you have to see if he can sort it out himself, whether that's his physical ability or between the years. And if he's showing you that he can't do that, then you probably need to try and find a way to allocate that money better. But here it comes, you know, like, here's the, the roadblock there who's looking for a Kuzmenko right now and who's going to give you something that can still help your team right now? Like, is, is, is there a marriage there where you can move? Like it's a, it's a complex time, especially with the way the the salary cap has been with the way teams are restricted. And the easiest way to make a move is dollars in dollars out. Or you are going to make a move where, you know, you're trading futures for a rental to help you like those, those moves are hard enough to make. Now you're going to make a move with Kuzmenko, where he's got a big dollar tag attached to him. You don't think he can help you right now, but you need something that can help you coming back. I don't know. It's uh, it's it, it's somewhat complex. He's yeah. had a lot of time here to try and figure it out, but it's um, you know if if this gets like if it, if it keeps going this way that he's not moved and he's still here he's the winner in that because he'll still have a little more time to maybe get hot before the trade deadline. And, you know, maybe we're not talking about that question anymore, but he's got to do it himself now. Like he's been given a lot of opportunity.
0: Great stuff, Frank. Thanks for this. We'll catch up next Wednesday. See you boys. It's so a Carson Price from Wall Center Presentation, Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips.
1: It's going to be like this show. Great. I uh, was thinking of a haircut today. Yeah, I need one too, actually. I, I might see Great Clips when the weather subsides a little here. You have to make sure that the, the haircutters <laughs> were actually able to get to Great well, Clips. That, before yeah, it... that's the first thing. That... Yeah.
0: Uh, with all the snow that's coming down here in Vancouver today. Poll question results from Tuesday. We asked you, who is the Canucks MVP so far? Uh, The big four were there. Demko, Hughes, Miller, and Patterson. Who won the poll, Blake?
1: Um, I tried to beef up the Demko uh, vote uh, with a a tweet of mine, but uh, I think ultimately Hughes won. Correct. Percentage? Uh, Four guys. I'll go 48. Seventy three. Woo! Really? Runaway. Your boy Demko
0: finished second at fourteen. Mm-hmm. JT at eight. How about Patterson at just under six?
1: Blown away. Blown away.
0: Well, I, I, I'm wondering. Well, especially with the heater he's on, are is that a signal? that there is now some pushback. I I almost wonder that too.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I almost wonder that too. Because you see it online now, you see it on social media a little bit. Canucks fans are starting to
1: feel rejected by this player. Um, Yeah. Like there's no recency bias there. Normally there is. You have a guy with 14 points in five games, normally that guy's getting
0: all the shine. Not to mention his brand power, which I would have argued was greater than the other three guys going into this season. Yeah, or yeah. at least equal
1: to Quinn Hughes's. Um, JT, JT Shine has improved because he hasn't sure. been. A, he hasn't been a distraction like his. Yeah. his he hasn't his been tempers, slamming the stick on the net yeah. and barking at teammates and all of that stuff. And the points have been there still. So for um, sure. So and better
0: defensive, helped. you know, play as well. So no, I mean he's channeling yeah. it the right way as talk had talked about, and and he's improved uh, as a defensive player. who's was playing all those tough matchups at one point. Remember when he was. Uh, when the lot of line wasn't together. So mismanaged says Demko. He is the anchor of the foundation that allows everyone else to do what they do. Jeez. Saw a lot of this. I'll read connection news 31 Alvin Jr. And talk it. Yeah. A lot of votes for the management and coaching <laughs> staff <laughs> on team MVP. They get awards Nux, too. Yeah. Next 12, 12 of Quinn Hughes moved to center right now. Could he win the Selkie heart and Norris in the same season? <laughs> well done. Betway. Uh, no errors and omissions, at least on my end, Grady. We had no, you some on we, the fly yesterday. Yes, yeah. So I think that might've staved off any lingerings.
1: I can't think of anything.
0: Hearing none. Moving on. Betway bets of the day where look, Lamar Jackson in the Baltimore Ravens. I do think they're different this year. I, I do think Lamar is better from the pocket I do think they're going to win the game against Houston on Saturday. But I'm getting nine and a half points with a darn good quarterback and a team that's just playing so hard right now. So I'm going to take the
1: Texans to keep it close in Baltimore. Uh, we have not seen much close. And so I'm going to predict that that mm-hmm. continues. And I'll bet Betway, you can beef up the point spread if you're feeling confident. And I am in the 49ers. I'm going to have the 49ers minus 14 and a half. Oh, my God. Yeah, You're a crazy man. Two and a half is my return on that. Ah, I see what you did there. And we saw a bunch of blowout wins in wildcard weekend. Mm-hmm. I suspect that might continue on that front.
0: On your Betway bets of the day, must be 19 plus to play. Please play responsibly. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder, subscribe to us, Rank Wide and Connects Conversation wherever you get your podcast. Follow on social, that's Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube, and of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.